0: This episode is brought to you by Modal Electronics who enable you to play and perform powerful sound with their incredible synthesizers. You can enjoy vibrant wavetable patches with the Argon 8 series, or you can produce with state-of-the-art analog style synth textures with the Cobalt 8 series. To check out Modal Electronics' incredible array of synthesizers, go to modalelectronics.com. Modal Electronics, dare to sound different.
1: at least musical memory, um, was probably I, my first cassette. I think it was like my, one of my first like, uh, instances of music was actually the Smurfs' Go Pop, which was my first ever, you know, come on. Uh, that was my first ever sort of uh, thing I owned. I mean, jazz was always playing in our house, like constantly, 24 seven, you know. I mean, not 24 seven, we did go to sleep at points, but <laughs> you know, growing up, like my dad would have on Pat Metheny and John Coltrane and Miles Davis and all this kind of stuff. So that was always on rotation constantly. So maybe that's embedded somewhere in my head, you know, sort of indoctrinated in that regard. But um, but yeah, so that, that's pretty much my earliest musical. with me. I just, you know, mooching about the house, about three or four years old hard bebop playing on the background it was cool (laughs) um yeah tom do you want
2: to yeah i mean i guess quite similar to this to sam come from quite a musical family my dad um has taught guitar from as long as i can remember so yeah i think my earliest memories are probably probably slightly more on the rock side like sabbath zeppelin um you know I was kind of birthed on on that music and then combination of that and then again very much like the kind of jazz um I think Pat Matheny is a a common artist in both mine and Sam's households um yeah yeah a lot of Matheny so yeah a lot of that and earliest musical memory is probably my dad playing gigs you know he used to do quite a lot of um local stuff and yeah as a sort of baby and toddler I'd be dragged along all over the place locally anyway um but yeah the the first one I properly remember there's a pub just in between Reading and Henley, sort of near where I live, called The Flowing Springs, and seeing my dad play there. It was the first time I properly remember being like, oh, cool, he's, like, performing and doing something cool. And that was, like, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> <And> <laughs> um did you guys meet? Touring, Spring, um, Yeah, we we met...
1: Uh, when did we meet? We met about 15 years ago now, probably maybe just slightly under or slightly above, I'm not sure. but Around um, that, yeah. I met, yeah. We were, both, uh, we were both in metal bands, like way back when, like, yeah, sort of, I think we both sort of started in, touring in metal bands from, like, 2006-ish. Uh, and then both off, but we were just on the circuit all the time, you know, we'd just play shows together, play festivals together, you know, so our bands would always meet up on the circuit and stuff. And then, yeah, we just knew each other for a long time. We did Download together in 2014. And then 2015, Tom was working out in Tomorrowland, just doing like, you know, social media stuff and just generally just working out there, you know. And um, and he called me on the Eurostar back and he was like, mate, I've just been at like This dance music sounds so much fun. We should just have a crack at it. So we were like, yeah, so we just, you know. And prior to that, we were, you know, touring in our separate bands and, you know, making beats on the tour bus and stuff. Back then it was like dubstep and stuff, you know, just in the background, it was just like messing about on Logic and stuff. And then, uh, yeah, just took a crack at it. And then a few months later, we did a house track that got signed which then we had an artist project. So I guess we were like, cool, I guess we DJs now. This is weird. So we left the metal world and we did this. And then that meant getting into the session game and the, the craft of songwriting. And honestly, mate, just kind of fell into it. It's a bit weird, but we just yeah. sort of, just one sort of event after another. And, you know, that whole thing of doing the session circuit for a long time. And then, yeah, now we're doing the spin and Ted artist thing, but still kind of, you know, producing a lot for other people and bits and bobs. But yeah, man, it's just
0: been quite an organic like journey so far. It's um, really cool how yeah, really guys, fun uh came up in like more rock orientated uh you know it by the sounds of things it was like death metal type type of uh it stuff. was
2: heavy it was heavy, heavy yeah. yeah i mean <laughs> i guess i guess the true metal heads um'll we'll go, oh, it wasn't death metal dude, but um yeah, yeah. It, it was kind of the sort our of hair, hair, didn't, our hair didn't smell enough. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> but no, it was te- technical metal, it was like tech metal <laughs> is the kind of name of it. Um yeah. so what, what, did
0: of... Guys, what did each of you
2: guys play in, in those bands? So I was guitar, Sam's Sam was drummer.
0: Yeah. So you got uh, how is your how are your uh chops like Because, I mean to play that stuff is really difficult. Uh, or it's terrible sorry.
2: now. Terrible. Not yeah. No yeah. Idea. the same like dext- lost all the kind of dexterity and like all the um you know if someone was to throw the guitar at me now and be like, Cool, you've got a set in five minutes, so I'd probably have a panic attack. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah,
1: I haven't played drums for about six years, man. It's been, which is which is, it is a tragedy in itself. You know, the drum kit is now in our studio, just stacked up in the corner, and we then bought an electric kit and Tom bought an amp and stuff because we were like, We're gonna relearn all our stuff. And again, those things have just gathered dust in the corner of the studio, but yeah, one day basically all this stuff that we do now is to one day finance another metal album.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there's that, there's that element to it. And, and, uh, I mean, I, I probably am one of the few people out there, although everybody's got a quite an eclectic music taste, but like who, I do really like heavy stuff and rock. And then I love pop and dance and like, you know, mm. I see both sides of it, but in terms of what actually works, uh, a man's got to eat and, uh, you know what what the kids listen to now uh is not largely death metal is not rock i mean i like, know actually probably <laughs> I get was. uh i mean never really was but like m- yeah. i guess it's like metal has kind of retained that core fan base and like uh, loyal those loyal fan bases in a way mm. that perhaps like classic mainstream rock hasn't but ultimately what people listen to is like basically either dance uh dance pop or hip-hop was that a conscious decision after that moment at Tomorrowland uh, Uh, like I want to make something that is actually going to resonate with young people and get on the radio and be played in clubs I think
2: I think it definitely has something to do with it I mean I I didn't honestly know the grand scale of how big dance music was in in Europe and I think I was kind of overwhelmed by how big Tomorrowland was because You know, in credit to the metal world, the metal production is always great. If you go and see someone like Slipknot a concert and you see all the pyro or Bring Me or or anyone, it's incredible. And I always thought that the sort of metal and rock shows were unmatched in terms of production and audience and loyalty, fan loyalty anyway. And um, after going to Tomorrowland, that first time where there were like 200,000 people there from all over the world who had, and the bracelets opened up and they turned into lasers when... I think it was, like, Avicii or someone came on stage and they had this whole laser, laser show coming out of people's watches and, um, you know, people from all over the world. I couldn't believe it. And I definitely part of me was like, fuck, you know, these guys just get to rock up in private jets and click in their USBs and then they're done. They're not slogging with, like, four, four <laughs> by 12 cabs up, like, 22 flights of stairs and, like, <laughs> loading and all of this. So definitely, like, got the cogs turning, I think, and that's when I hit Sam up. And I was like, mate, we should actually do this, like, if if you know if we do it right, it could definitely provide a a sort of easier life for us that's less stressful and maybe more lucrative. So um yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, def- once, you, once you've traveled up and down the UK and at every show you're struggling just to get so much as a bottle of water for your show. And then you go to someone at Tomorrowland and see that you've got champagne on tap and everything else, that's enough to make any man convert. <laughs> yeah.
0: So I mean it is what would you say to those people? who are busy, uh, you know, uh, struggling to sell tickets to their uh, grandparents to come and see them at the Fiddler's Elbow uh, whilst the uh, venue stinks to high heaven of piss and they can't can't even make back the expenses uh, on, you know, on putting that gig on and not to mention the fact that to play organic instruments you guys talked a bit about uh, your your chops that obviously, you know, doing what you do now is. requires a lot of technical expertise and time investment but to play organic instruments just to keep pops up like you've got to practice all the time which is obviously unpaid uh, you're not uh, getting champagne on tap just to sit at home uh, learning your <laughs> movement so uh, what do you say to the people struggling uh, to to kind of find their way uh, in music uh, about about that you know do you, do, you th- do you think kind of m- the landscape of music has changed irreversibly if you want to be able to um you know find an audience and you need to kind of be realistic about what's going to work
2: it's a difficult question isn't it because like you want you know certainly someone like myself and sam who are brought up playing instruments and being in band bands um you know definitely seeing a lot less of that now uh, um you know i've got sort of nephews and nieces who are sort of around the same age that we were when we started playing. And there's definitely not the same um, level of demand of people wanting to be in bands. I think there's more people that want to produce and do stuff. But, yeah, to the sort, of the sort of struggling band session people, I mean, I think it's like a right of passage, I think, really, isn't it? Like you have yeah, to go, I think so. You have to go into all the shitholes and, you know, play in front of three people or play in front of nobody, just a support band and... um all that stuff it's definitely character building so um you've got to do a few years of it i think But oh, i think so absolutely yeah but i think while I you're think... doing they build up the other kind of skill sets that you want to have whether that's like the business side whether it's getting your laptop learning a new craft and trying to be um you know you, you have to have so many bases covered to you know do anything full-time in music this day and make that your full-time living and earning so um, as well, I think the resources are now just so um, well,
1: there's just so much of it. Like, if you want to learn something else in music, you can, you know, me and Tom, when we were like, you know, messing around in bands, I mean, there was such thing as YouTube, but not near the level of community now there is if you want to le- take, you know, learn something new. And I think you definitely need something else rather than just the thing that you love doing in music. So, if you're a guitar player and you're like, I want to be a guitar player and stuff, cool. But with all this resource you have now, you're better off doing that, but then also have a sideline. So like Tom said, you want to learn something about the business side or, or the management side or, you know, label side or, you know, having that other thing to fall back on. You know, like me and Tom, we're, you, you know, coming into this as like producers in the last sort of couple of years. But on the other side, we're also managing some people and we're, you know, maybe t- doing some talks about ventures and publishing ventures or label ventures and stuff because, you know, it is rough out there it's it's really fucking hard you know so you know you always need that other thing you can't always like put all your eggs in one basket i don't think so that's complete tangent from your initial question but that would be the advice there anyway you know it's fun it's fun going to the dingy venues and that is fun and if you're enjoying that that is sick but definitely have that other thing to fall back on i like i said earlier about me and tom messing about on logic just for fun Making those beats, we never thought that that would end up a career path. But at that time, it was just something else because it was fun. And suddenly, those skills got utilised. Sort of three or four years later, and you know they were there then, without us even really knowing that they were going to be a thing. I don't know that it's that's a crazy tangent, but yeah, you understand what I'm
0: saying. <laughs> when when was the breakthrough between uh, you know Tomorrowland, and then what was the, kind of the most significant step on your journey to becoming? Uh, Bill and Ted, you know, and like from from that point where you're like, you know this dance music thing uh this seems like it could be a real winner uh like, what would you say was like the biggest breakthrough
1: well we started we started having some some success in dance basically we yeah we had we had our initial thing in like two thousand and fifteen where we were like we're going to do this, that was on another project that was signed to another dance label at the time, um and then from then it was like a good few years of rejection, no. Uh, doing sessions upon sessions upon sessions, writing and writing and writing, nothing really happening. And then uh, we had a couple of great songs with this French DJ called Hugel, and we had produced a couple with him. Uh, and then one of them went on to be a massive hit in Europe. So that opened up, suddenly we were like, okay, we were reliable dance producers at that point for for DJs and stuff, and a lot of work came from that. And then to be honest, mate, it wasn't until the pandemic hit. And then uh, in the middle of 2020, this song that we produced for 220 Kids called Don't Need Love with Gracie, suddenly became a kind of, a little sort of organic hit out of nowhere. And it went top 10 in, you know, in, the middle of, in the middle of lockdown one, which I think we can all agree was probably like the most serious of all the lockdowns, if you know. And uh, it was, yeah, an accidental little hit. And then suddenly the, 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 the doors opened a bit more and people were like, who did that? We want to work with Bill and Ted. And then we were like, cool, we should probably do the artist thing properly. So the back end of last year, uh, in 2020, we yeah signed a record deal with Black Butter, and then this just started, and then again had another accidental hit with a little thing called the Weller Man, and then you know, and then it's just you know, so it's just been this kind of like a, a few happy accidents, but you know, we're here for it, and then you know, there's there's the race stuff we're we're up to, and a few other bits, and you know, with
2: fingers in pies and stuff, but you call them, you call them accidents, but I think the. Uh... I think the common kind of thing we're starting to see is just like as long as you keep your foot down, and keep grinding, these accidents keep happening. So um, yeah, momentum yeah. is everything,
1: and like yeah. once the momentum's there, you just cannot take your foot off the gas. Once there's any sense of oh it's it's doing something, you just got to keep going. Like you know, so we're we're kind of jumping on a lot. We've done a lot of lot of remixes and, and doing this because you know. There is there's an element of now you've got to kind of be on that spread betting thing a little bit and just be be constantly active doing stuff. And so that's what we're trying to do now, just to just to stay afloat, really. It's just like doggy paddling, you know, just like <laughs> hope, hope, hoping that you don't some massive wave doesn't come over and completely swallow you up. But right now we're on the calm beaches of the Bahamas for now, so we'll see. I would
2: say I would say that's the kind of thing that we've installed in us from like it's just like work ethic, I think is the most important thing. You have to work harder than everyone in this industry to, to make it. And you know, I think me and Sam are both in that mentality that right now we just don't want to stop. I mean, We've both got COVID right now. We'll still work. <laughs> <laughs> we both
0: got COVID.
2: Yeah, we COVID. both. We both got to <laughs> It's Amazing. We're, we're at the end of it now, but we both got away quite lucky, to be honest. Very mild. Yeah, and, um, we'll be. That was last last Sunday.
1: We got it, so we're we now uh, Tuesday. got it's all just bloated to one. Yeah, last Sunday we got it, and um. See, our 10 days are up tomorrow or yeah tomorrow
0: all right well i'm glad that you're both uh you're both all right and it sounds like uh i mean you're it's quite contagious your energy in in the sense of it's uh it's very inspiring i'm I'm sure to the listeners to hear people who are clearly kind of like on their way up continuing to be on the way up you've had like a lot of successes recently in terms of the way that you produce you know you mentioned that it was starting by like almost like messing around on logic how have you refined that process so far and do you have like I mean obviously you don't have like a set formula for everything but is there is there a way that you guys like to work or is it completely different every time um, when you're uh, creating and producing songs um
1: I mean first um okay so, so Before that, yeah, so so me and Tom used to both uh, engineer. So we both used to like record bands. That was our, that was our first sort of bit of training. So before, prior to messing around with Logic, we both used to use Cubase. That was like 2009 and we'd record metal bands. So that was the initial intro into like EQ, compression, recording, mic placement, mixing, mastering, all that kind of stuff. That was the kind of very first uh, sense of that. And then yeah, like you say, sort of two thousand and eleven to two thousand and fourteen was when we started messing around with logic, um, and then in terms of refinement, I mean, like I said, we were on the session game for a long time, like uh, those kind of last five years or six years, and um, I don't really know what it, I mean. Definitely simplifying was our was the was the refinement for sure, like. I think when we were first, we were like mid-20s and we, we were kind of new onto the scene, there was definitely an element we wanted to just throw the kitchen sink at every production. and be like, right, let's do this bass and let's put five synths on it and like four pianos and like all these drums and dah, and like verse sounds completely different to the pre and then the pre is completely different to the chorus and they're like three separate songs, but fuck it, I want to put everything on everything, you know? And then definitely a sense of the last couple of years to be like, right, you are allowed five things and that, that's all. You know, you get a riff, a bass, drums, you know, whatever. Um, um, And that's kind of where the process has got to now. We're we're very strict on ourselves on what we allow to get through the gates in terms of a production. Um, And that, you know, everything has their own little spot. And, you know, if there's one thing playing and then another guy comes in, it's like, well, you know, which is going to catch the listener's ear and who's up front in the mix and who has to come back at certain points and stuff. That's definitely been... The whole thing of like making a a small amount of elements sound big, you know. It's definitely like those when you hear those Ariana Grande, you know, productions, or you know, I always think to um, which is Breaker, which is girlfriend, you know, that song, uh, and how I might just be Serban being an absolute beast mixer, but when you hear that, there's nothing going on, it's just literally the beat, uh, riff and the 808, but it sounds monstrous, it sounds bigger than any production like I heard, it's insane, mm-hmm. and I think. Space. Yeah that's definitely that's definitely where we've got to where just very strict about what what gets through and yeah less is more refining, refining less is more yeah um and then as regards to like where we begin if we're producing a record and we get sent the stems first thing always is to have the vocal in front uh pull up just a sound like piano or anything first thing is just to just to jam along with the song uh, normally, they'll have some chords that they used in the initial session demo, which is normally what we'll use, but then see what we can create around that. Is there a riff? You know, is there another chord that might actually work with their vocals slightly better whatever, you know, just have a little look around? And that's where everything begins. And then from that, it's just building that up. You know, um, I think Kevin Harris has definitely been a massive inspiration in that regard. He just has this ability to just start with a riff really small and then build that same riff up with tomba, just using different elements and building on that. And then whatever kicks in for the drop is that riff, but just much bigger. And I think he is just the absolute master of that, you know, and that's, that's definitely been a lot of inspiration for us, for sure, um, yeah. in that regard, but yeah.
0: In terms of instrumentation and the way that these, uh, these productions are put mm-hmm. together, are you, using, uh, are you using like real bass or, or is everything done on keyboards and through, through Logic? Sorry if that's a moronic question.
1: No, not at
2: all, not no, We get um we do get some real instrumentation in um probably more so than most. I mean, we definitely get some guitar and stuff, definitely get some real bass and stuff sometimes, but I think for the majority, because I think our workload especially at the moment is quite high. I think speed is something that we will rely on quite quickly. And I think as soon as you plug in an instrument, you get down the kind of rabbit hole of wanting to the kind of engineering has probably kicks in where you're like, should we restring? How are we going to do this? And then suddenly what could <laughs> be a very uh, sort of a 10 minute using a trillion bass, for example, could turn into like three hours a day wiped out getting a bass sound and getting it all yeah. right. When actually I think now to, uh, I you know, it might sound like a label now, but to, you know, thinking completely on the, on the pop spectrum, your person that's on TikTok with a video do they give a fuck that it hasn't been real bass? And do they notice? Can I notice? I mean, it's hard to tell now. It really is hard to tell. So you have to kind
0: of... Um... TikTok. Uh, well, I mean, maybe some people on TikTok. Maybe there are some bass channels on TikTok. Who knows? But yeah, I know <laughs> what you mean. It's unlikely that the majority of, of the audience there, and indeed, anywhere in a club and, and me, I'm not going to pretend to you for one second that I could uh, tell oh, that's not a real base when I listen to it. If it sounds good, it sounds good. If it doesn't, it doesn't. That's mm. really all it, it comes down to. Uh, so what are your plans going forward? It seems like uh, you're on a real roll here. So what is the rest of 2021 uh, looking like for uh, Bill and Ted? Plan one is to not die. Uh, that's, uh, yeah. that's,
1: well, that's,
0: that's the, the plan. That, uh, but with plan. Uh, you know, tomorrow will be day 10. So that's it. Yeah. yeah. So if we get through this, um,
2: which is looking good, we're feeling, we're feeling good. So, Touch wood. Um, yeah, to be honest, we're on... It's just getting singles away at the moment. There's a lot of focus going into like our projects, our artist projects. Um, we're starting to do less sessions for other people and concentrate more on, on our stuff. Because I think whilst, as Sam said, we have this kind of momentum, <coughs> it's important to kind of allocate the... know just put time into stuff that's working and that's moving so yeah just pushing forward with our singles remixes um a few live things that are opening up um so yeah hopefully get to do some dj sets you know get out to some clubs and um maybe germany there's some other territories that the stuff seems to have been doing quite well in so like germany scandinavia um Want to get out to LA, I think. I think we've got some shows lined up for the start of next year over in the US, so that's going to be fun. Uh But yeah, pretty much it's when Esther Sam said, survive, keep putting, you know, keep trying to write and produce good music, Um, collaborate where possible. Yeah, no, that's it.
1: It's, it's like I said earlier, you know, we kind of, the, the whole artist thing came, like, sort of a bit of an accident in terms of, you know, the success it had at the start of the year. Obviously I talked about earlier, the Wellerman. Was this random thing that when it came out of nowhere, went number one. And then obviously there was the big scramble at the start of this year from the label. Like, you know, this thing has just smashed the charts. It's gone number one. We hadn't really planned for that. Me and Tom, we had this plan of doing Bin and Ted as like this cool you know, techno underground project first. And we start with an EP, come a bit left field, you know, like all this stuff. And then suddenly it's like, no, 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 you remix the Sea shanty and now you're on Capital in the morning and you gotta go promote it. It's like, oh shit, okay, fuck. Yeah. So with that came, you know, the label going like great work, guys, this is sick, you got number one. So so what you got next? And we're like, nothing. We've got absolutely nothing. What have nothing. you got? Nothing. Like nothing. We're like, ah, oh, panic, writing mode. We've got to write for a project. <laughs> shit. <laughs> you know? So there's definitely a bit of that. Like We've got one out at the minute, which, which is doing really well. Um, then it's obviously always looking towards the next song. So you're kind of, you know, you're collaborating a lot and seeing which features you want to do, obviously, as from the dance end and stuff. So, yeah, like, as Tom said, definitely looking for that next single. Well, next few singles, actually. I think our next couple are lined up. We want to kind of make sure that, you know, we always want to have about four lined up in the future, you know. Um, but, yeah, just a bit of that, bit of partying, bit of a laugh. <laughs> We've had, it, we've had it now,
0: so fair game. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah, I hope you're looking forward to uh, getting back out there and playing live as soon as possible. I'm definitely looking forward to live music resuming. Thank you so much, guys, for coming on the Greatest Music of All Time podcast. It was awesome to talk to you. And yeah, you so much for you're having us, really You are definitely uh, on a roll uh, just by the sounds of, like, the way you guys are talking. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people uh, who were listening to this podcast feeling lazy are now gonna get out there and uh, you know smash it. Come on, guys, let's do it. Let's,
2: let's have, have it, it. <laughs> let's have it. Come on. Come on. Well, yeah, thanks very much for having us, Tom. Like, really, thanks, bro.
0: You sometimes struggle to get up in the morning or wind down for bed at night. I used to find it so difficult. I woke up with no sense of positivity and brightness. I was void of motivation and spirit. This changed completely when I started waking up with a Lumi body clock. These incredible devices mimic the light and colour of a real sunrise and sunset, transforming the experience of waking up and going to sleep completely. Rather than being suddenly woken up with an alarm clock, the Lumi body clock will wake you up gradually with a natural sunrise. The Lumi body clock has been shown to improve the quality of sleep and awakening and to boost mood and productivity in clinical trials. You can personalise your sunrise and sunset from 15 to 90 minutes with their clinically tested unique natural light and more than 20 sleep and wake sounds. We all deserve to sleep well and to wake up feeling fresh. So if you're finding this a challenge and you want to try a new approach, go to lumi.com. If you're enjoying the greatest music of all time podcast, you can keep up to date with all of our latest episodes for free by subscribing. If you're watching on YouTube, the subscribe button is located at the top of the Tom Cridland YouTube page. It's also at the bottom right of any video that you watch on YouTube. If you're listening on an audio platform, such as Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can subscribe at the top of the page.